0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. To get to the, the message, uh, you um, should have received one of these little uh, extra inserts to the uh, bulletin this Sunday. And I just want to mention, I'm not going to go through it in detail, that's why I wrote it all out. Um, It's very rare at uh, New Day that we make a request for you to consider donating extra, but um, uh, a number of things have all happened at once, and I just wanted to communicate, I just felt really compelled um, to give you the opportunity to participate in in meeting these needs. I think it's somewhat interesting that we just preached a whole month on on finances through through February, and then all of a sudden, literally, I've been a pastor for over 25 years, I've never seen so many things come all at once. Uh, first of all, I just want to let you know that financially as a church, we are, are, are standing financially in every way is better than ever. I mean, ever. No n- no comparison. At the end of last year, we were just blowing away the board, reviewing the numbers. Things are really good. We're really strong. But uh, as a church, we're advancing in many areas. And so that uh, creates uh, challenges and um, needs. Uh, as we move forward in the Vine uh, uh, church, as we move forward... In forward in Vandalia, and of course, continuing to try to build this congregation as well, so there's just real quick there 's three things that iglesia building uh, we did get approved for a, a loan, but for many complex reasons they 're not going to loan us uh, what we needed. We needed one hundred and ten. We raised almost fifty thousand, which is amazing, yeah, in in just three months. Uh, you know, if we could just raise another hundred thousand, I wouldn't have to borrow the money, and I could tell the I could go to the bankers and go, Nyeh. that's really what I'd like. I really didn't want to borrow money, so, so you know, I know there's a hundred thousand dollars in this around here. So uh, if you want to uh, do that, that'd be great. But we need at least uh, um, we need uh, a minimum of ten thousand. To, to make this deal happen, and that way we can purchase the building and vine can be uh, changed into a ministry center. It gives us a lot of benefits uh, once that happens. Vandalia, um, middle of uh, February, that cold snap, a pipe froze, and for some reason, some knucklehead put the water pipe in the attic. It's just... Yeah, and they, if they put it underneath, we can't figure out why they did that, whoever did that, because there's no, there was no slab, it would have just went into the ground. But it, it just destroyed a number of walls in the classroom section of uh, the Vandalia building, so we have to remodel that. And so uh, we don't know what the insurance is going to cover, but we're thinking we'll probably have to, you know, Optimally, they'll give us eight to ten thousand, which means we'll need another ten thousand um, to cover those repairs and and improvements. So there's no sense putting it back to the way it was because we needed to make some changes down there anyway. Not significant, but uh, uh, you know eighteen thousand dollars worth. Um, so we need ten thousand dollars there, and then here, there's a few problems here. One of the furnaces. Uh, Just went out, the one that's behind that wall. (laughs) That's why I point there. (laughs) And uh, you probably didn't notice, but this speaker keeps going out. Sometimes it crackles a lot, and that's because the amp and the whole system is um, darn almost 20 years old. I was shocked as I was coming here. That it's uh, we moved in here in '96, so uh, so that totals twelve thousand dollars. All right, so it's thirty-two thousand dollars we need. But guess what? We've already got ten percent of that in uh, through a number of ways. So that brings it down to twenty-eight eight, uh, and uh, we need that within the next really a few weeks. Uh, so would you one uh, pray right now? Let's pray. Father, are you praying? Are we all praying? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you uh, for all of these opportunities, Lord, to advance your kingdom. And we pray that you would make the provision. You've given us the vision, and now we need the provision. And so, Father, we pray that whether it's through people here in this congregation uh, or some other means... Lord, that you would send in the finances needed to accomplish these, these, these steps so that we can continue uh, advancing your kingdom, communicating the gospel, loving on one another. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can read through that. There's more details in there. I want to get into the message. Uh, we're going through a series called our non-negotiables. These are aspects of the faith that are non-negotiable. <laughs> and so uh, based on the creed, Uh, The creed was written in 325 A.D. Actually, it was finalized in 325. It was based on the Apostles' Creed that goes back even further in history. They don't know when the Apostles' Creed was written, but it's called the Apostles' Creed because tradition has it. It was written by the apostles. So it goes back possibly uh, to the, uh, the actual 12 apostles. This creed, which is an agreed upon statement of faith, has literally shaped christianity it 's shaped as a result whole civilizations so these core beliefs are our basic doctrines are something that we share with Christians all over the world throughout throughout almost two thousand years, and because it shapes Christianity shapes civilizations, it also should shape our lives. But in order for it to do so, uh, we need to understand it. We need to understand what it means, why it's important, and how how it should shape our lives. And so that's how I'm approaching this. We have a number of teachers coming uh, and sharing uh, on the different segments of the creed but we want to see, well, what does this mean? You know, we recite this as a congregation every time we do communion, and I often think, you know, do, do people know what this means? Last week, Graham talked about Jesus as God, light of light, God of gods, and uh, did a great job and went over some of the his, historical references and uh, some of the debates that were going on when the creed was shaped. But all of those questions still exist today. And this creed answers that, but it's useless if we don't understand what it means and how to apply it. So that's what we're focusing on. And today, the question is, why did Jesus come? Last week it was, who was Jesus? Today is why Jesus came. And, uh, and so we're going to read through this. How about we read through it aloud together? All right. On the count of three? One, two, three. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, In one substance with the Father. (laughs) Sorry, there's other versions. (laughs) (laughs) Through whom all things were made. Now this is the part we're going to cover today. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look to the resurrection, the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen. Yeah, so it was written in uh, Latin, I believe, and so the exact wording uh, alters a little bit based on uh, translations. And so why did Jesus come? Uh, And we're just going to take kind of each phrase at a time and talk through this. For us uh, and for our salvation. What does this mean? Well, it gets to the question uh, and the title for today's message. Uh, As to why did Jesus come? For for us, clickers being weird, for us and for our salvation. Why did Jesus come? For us and for our salvation. Remember I said uh, earlier that each and every word uh, in the creed was, was thought through and crafted to really narrow down to the most significant, Truths that need to be communicated, and um, the the truth that Jesus came for us and for our salvation is very, very important. Jesus came for you. Jesus came for me. Jesus came for your neighbor, right? Your coworker. Jesus came for your friend. Jesus came for your enemy. He came for mankind. Wherever, whoever, every man, woman and child, Jesus was willing to leave Earth, heaven, come to Earth, take on humanity uh, for that person. <clears throat> it speaks of Jesus' motivation. Jesus did not have to come, all right? The Father did not have to send his only begotten son. He didn't have to come. But he did for us. And the question is why? What was the motivation? All right. uh, 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 I actually love how, what's not said, what's not mentioned in the creed. That would be another whole series. Sin is not mentioned in the creed. Uh, uh, there's lots of things that we think are so important but what is mentioned is this, that Jesus came for us. God's for us. Uh, the Bible says in John 3, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his, world, his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Wow! All right? Why did Jesus come? For us. Why? Because God so loved the world. He was willing to give. He was willing to send his only begotten Son. This is really, really significant because it changes how we, how we see God. It reveals the character of God. That um, God's motivation, Jesus' motivation, was for us. All right? God's for you. Did you know that? God's like, God's your biggest cheerleader. I preached a message once that God believes in you. And it's true. He really does. He cares deeply about you. And he demonstrated that most clearly and to the fullest extent by sending his son. This means that God is not egocentric. People have... A very strange view of God. Um, God did not come. Jesus did not come for His glory. It does not say that He came to establish His rule and reign for His glory so that everyone would bow. It says He came for us and for our salvation. God is ultimately a lover. God is love. It says that in one place in in the Bible. And here in John, it says, For God so loved, the motivation for sending Jesus was God's compassion. And He was moved to do so for His beloved. And His beloved is every man woman, and child on planet earth. Whether they accept him or not, he loves them and he died for them and he made a way through his death on the cross so that they could be reconnected to his love and, and, and receive the benefits of those loves. So, it's, so, it's, so God's motivation is us and our salvation. That's why he came. That's why Jesus left heaven. And so the question is, well, how should that shape us? uh, What does that mean to our lives? And I think it should change the way we view God, all right? And, And most people, most Christians often spend their whole life viewing God as a demander and a commander and not a loving father. Now, he does give commands, all right? And there are demands on our lives. But always, it's his love that comes first. He loved us first. And it's a response to God's incredible love that we, we choose to obey. All right? And so our view of the character and the person of God should be, should be altered by this. It, it's, it sets the course that God was motivated for us. For our benefit, John Arnott says this, and he's taken some flack from it, <clears throat> but I think it's true. Uh, um, and it's, it's a simple truth. John Arnott says, uh, head of our uh, network of churches, he said, uh, he hears all the time, he goes to churches, and, and people say, it's not about us, it's about Jesus, it's about God. And, you know, oh, it's not about us, it's not about us, it's all about God. And he's like, well, wait a minute. No, it's not true. John or not's got this laid back kind of way. He travels all over the world, meets, has lunch with the Pope, you know. He's like, wait a minute. That's just not true. It actually is about us. You know, it's about us. Jesus came for us. <laughs> Jesus did not need to come. God did not need to provide salvation. He would have been happy without all of this wouldn't have you he was, he was eternally happy. He had everything. <laughs> do we understand this all right and so something motivated God, and it was his love he says i don 't need to do this, but I want to do it because I love these 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 children I've created, I don't want them to spend eternity without the opportunity to be with me. And so it's completely motivated for us. All right? And this changes the way we view God. And then it should change the way we view us. Radically. Like, wow! You were worth Jesus leaving heaven. And coming down, suffering the life he lived, suffering the cross, you were worth it as an individual. And it's not um, self-centered or egotistical to embrace that. It's truth. All right? But it also means that the person sat next to you was worth it. And the person, uh, you know, in the middle of February... Riding a bicycle on the road because they probably can't afford the car. Bottles. Picking up bottles, you know? And the guy, you ever talk to somebody you can't like get two sentences across because they're so messed up on drugs or just broken. God died for them, for them. Wow, he loves them. For those ISIS guys doing those wacky things and killing people, thinking they're serving God. Jesus came for them. Because he loves them. It changes my view of them. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we do all things for God's sake. In other words, we are to be motivated to do, to live life, to worship. We are to be Christ-centered because that re- is a reflection of God's nature who did everything for us. Does this make sense? S-s-s- this is the other side of the coin. Uh, we are to live for God's glory. So there's nothing wrong to say it's all for God's glory. Because if we, if we say that in the sense of, you know, because God has done all he can do for us, it's only right and proper that we live and commit our whole life to honoring and giving him glory. Now that's a radical difference than we better honor and give God glory or else he's going to smash us. God's just not that way. He wants to love us into a relationship where we can live as expressions of his glory. He's shared his glory with us is the real uh, truth. I just don't know why it works sometimes and it doesn't either. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, no, it's just gone way, way ahead. All those clicks clicked ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Ready get the whole sermon <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember where I was. Um, not for his glory, yeah, nice his okay, I already did that, right? The Changes the way we use uh, change We do all things for God's sake, right? <clears throat> yeah. it re- you know what? Paul compares it to marriage, uh, but he actually compares marriage to it. <laughs> it being the relationship between Christ and the church. And so Jesus died, was willing to love his bride, totally, even to the death, he gave his all for the church. And so marriage is an, Ill, is an illustration where we live 100% for the other person. And, and it's actually to our benefit to do that. And it's for their benefit, when that's done mutually, then uh, both individuals in that marriage get the most out of it. Same thing with the relationship with God. God is 100% for us. We are to live 100% for God. And so this changes us. This shapes us because uh, we see uh, changes our motivation for life, for serving God, for being in relationship, when we understand God's motivation clearly. Uh, It changes how we represent him. This, I think, is equally as important. It changes how we represent him to others. All right, and if we don't understand God's motivation correctly, we're not going to represent him in a proper way. That He was willing to sacrifice everything. That we communicate this first, and rather. approaching someone and telling them how bad they are and how much they deserve hell for example no we come and say you know what jesus left everything for you why because he loves you you know and he has he has and he has glory in store for you he wants to share with you everything and then you yeah there is sin but he came and resolved that problem Next part of it is he came down from heaven. Well, what does this mean? It means that Jesus is God. Graham talked about that really well last week, uh, showing the, the understanding that Jesus is <clears throat> equal with the Father. He's eternal. He's uniquely he ne- uniquely pre-existed before his conception. This is one area that uh, new Christians or Non-Christians really have a hard, sometimes they just don't realize, it's not that we worship Jesus, uh, you know, that Jesus' his life began when he was conceived. Actually, it, through Jesus, everything was created. Jesus existed eternally in the past as well as eternal in the future. Uh, he took on human form, and that's really what we're talking about today, when he came and... Um, was in the incarnation, but he's equal with God in all ways. The Bible says in John chapter 3 that no one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Now in John 3, it's kind of hard to decipher. Uh, Often this is in red letters, and so uh, you think Jesus is saying this. It's possible that this and some of the other interchange when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus was actually added, was written by John. Uh, certainly some of it was Jesus speaking. But this one right here, it's, it's Scripture, and it tells us clearly that no one ascended to heaven except he who first came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And so uh, Jesus is being depicted here as the Savior who first came down from heaven and then later ascends into heaven, and as the, as the creed states later on, that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And this is really significant because uh, um, uh, as a result of sin and the fall of mankind, there was a um, heaven and earth were separated, alright the separation of heaven and earth as a result of that curse brought by sin was bridged by the person of Jesus Christ he came down to overcome the separation uh, between man and God this is really significant most religions teach that humans must ascend right think of it uh That humans must do all kinds of things to become good enough to interact with God or become good enough to qualify to enter into heaven. Uh-huh. It's the very lie. Whether it's humanism, saying that we have to just uh, find our way and, and become better and better at doing life, and that's the, that's the hope of humanity. Or whether it's um, uh, Hinduism, that says that uh, life is a continual repetition of inca- uh, you know, being born and being reincarnated, and eventually you'll uh, ascend to nirvana. Um, or uh, other religions that say if you perform certain things, you'll uh, be qualified to enter into heaven, uh, that humans can find their own way. It's the lie that was communicated to Eve in the garden. Eat of this fruit, and you will be like God. You'll be like God. As though there was any way that humans could be like God. Eat of this fruit. You'll be like God. It's the lie at the Tower of Babel. Or if we build this, we can ascend into heaven. We can, we can get up onto God's level. God says, that's this, this crazy. But go back even further. It's the lie believed by Lucifer. And this is a quote from uh, Isaiah, I believe. It says how, this is concerning the fall of Lucifer, uh, prophetically depicting it. It says, how, you are fallen from heaven, O oh Lucifer. Lucifer, angel of light, was, uh, as some people believe this is communicating, talking about he was possibly like in charge of worship in, in the heavenly realm. But something happened, and he said, for you, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. And it goes on, I didn't quote the whole thing, he would become uh, greater than God, thinking that he could Take the place of uh, of God Himself, and and the enemy believed that, and then he deceived mankind. He deceived Eve into believing it. Jesus demonstrates that only God could bridge that separation between heaven and earth. All right, there was there is a separation prior to the fall. God would walk with mankind in the garden. Afterwards. Mankind was thrust out and that communion was broken. But Jesus demonstrated that God came down. And, and, and this is one of the unique uh, uh, doctrines of Christianity, <clears throat> that God took upon Himself a humanity. So how should this shape us? Don't believe the lie. Don't believe that it's through self-effort. Effort. That it's through some process or principle. Okay? All of those things have a part. But they all need to be in response to being reconnected through faith. Alright? You can't improve yourself to get good enough uh, to be accepted. No, you're accepted. (laughs) And by being accepted, you're proven through the blood of Christ. And by believing that, it actually makes you good. Does that make sense? Because it's a response it's not a requirement that comes beforehand. We cannot save ourselves. That we believe that Jesus bridged the gap. That he did it. <clears throat> that heaven is now accessible in Christ. And that's, that's the big, 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 big message. Is that because Jesus came down, that gulf that was inseparable by any effort of mankind, God took it upon himself to reach across. Um, And Paul explains, or the writer of Hebrews explains this, he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And so there's some imagery here from the temple. In the temple, there was a curtain that separated the holy of holies, the most holy place where the ark of the covenant was, where, and where the presence of God was manifest. Like that was where God met with people. But he only met with the high priest one day a year. And the high priest had to go in. But that was all symbols to show what Jesus was going to do, because Jesus is the high priest. And here, we see that you and I can enter into the, to heaven. Alright? We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Not the temple's most holy place, but heaven's. Alright? Because, because Jesus came down. And became our high priest. Uh, he gave us a new and life-giving way. And the wonderful thing about this is that it starts right now. Okay? This is not talking about heaven. It's talking about right now. You can enter heaven. Yeah, Heaven is not the afterlife. Heaven is with God. Okay? It's a big difference. But we use the word interchangeably in our songs. And, so, and, and people get the theology mixed up. You can enter heaven now. In fact, we're supposed to live half in heaven. Okay? Day by day. <clears throat> by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? Uh, well, the Holy Spirit was equally involved in with incarnation, with the incarnation. In incarnation, when Jesus took bodily form, Holy Spirit was active there, and it was actually foreshadowed in the creation story. And so, just like uh, oh, oh, when the Spirit brooded over the face of the earth, all, all was uh, formless and void, and the Spirit brooded over the face of the earth, and then God spoke, and then creation happened. Right? Same, same word is used when the Holy Spirit came and brooded over Mary. Uh, when she conceived, all right? It was the new creation. And so the Holy Spirit was the active agent, this is a big big point, big idea, in forming Christ in Mary, all right? Jesus was formed in the womb of Mary through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, why is this important? Well, the Holy Spirit is integral to uh, salvation and recreation. All right? Being renewed, sanctified, because it's the Holy Spirit that forms Christ in us. What happened to Mary uh, is really to happen to each and every person as Christ is spiritually formed in us through rebirth, which happens when the Holy Spirit overshadows us. Well, how should that change us or shape us? I think it should significantly, in that we no longer see the Holy Spirit as optional, it's not like, well, you get saved, and you, and you obey God, and you love Jesus, and, you know, if you're spiritual enough, you'll, you'll experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Ha! No one can say that Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit is the creative agent that forms Christ in us. Uh, and so we should be seeking to be filled and free in every aspect of the Holy Spirit, because we see that that's how... Uh, Christ is, is, is formed in us. All right, here's a big point. Um, so, uh, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. Real quickly, what that means. <clears throat> what is being said here? Uh, the virgin birth is central to the faith. Uh, the early church fathers, the disciples, Throughout Acts, throughout the New Testament, we see a major emphasis on the fact that Mary had not had a sexual relationship with a man, that this was a supernatural act of God, that Jesus was born of a virgin. Um, Now, uh, uh, after Jesus was born, uh, Jesus had siblings, all right? And so afterwards... Mary and Joseph had other kids, and it talks about that in the Bible. If you're raised Catholic, they kind of don't mention that. And they say, no, those were his cousins. <laughs> but uh, if, you, if you look at Scripture, the virgin birth is, is uh, central to the faith because it is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies, and it is a demonstration of Jesus' unique nature. All right. Jesus is fully human from the moment of conception. He experienced it all. All right? So Jesus came as a human. He did not land on earth as an an adult because that would not be the full human experience. He began his human life, his human existence in the womb just like you, just like me. But the Holy Spirit Provided what we now understand in a more scientific term, the sperm, if you just to be blunt, okay, and Mary provided the egg, all right, so he was fully human, but there was a new creation of the other genetic material so that Jesus had a complete human he was fully human in every way. Jesus was not a spirit being. He was not just a, simply a manifestation of God. That was a lie or a heresy that was popularly taught throughout the first and second century. Actually, it's, it's, it's interesting that in the first couple centuries of Christianity, people didn't have a problem believing that Jesus was God because he did so many miracles. And everybody knew about the miracles, and no one had ever lived a life like that. And so he was like, wow, everybody had heard about that. They actually didn't believe he was man. Right? The original heresy was that he wasn't a man. He was actually just a spirit being. And then some people believe that, well, uh, 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 that uh, this spirit existence of, of God took over this normal man's body, who just happened to be Jesus, for a while until the cross and then that no jesus was conceived in mary's womb and experienced every aspect of what it means to be a human even the parts we don't remember like going through the birth canal how many remember that (laughs) <laughs> All right? This is a really... And this, this, this deception happens today. There's people around in the city that think Jesus was an ascended master or a New Age teacher or some kind of... No, he was not just a spirit being. He was a real person. And he had a mom. All right? In Christ... Oops. In Christ, God became man. That's what incarnation means. Carne. Flesh. Took on humanity. And and this is actually essential in understanding God. Because all through scriptures, God reveals himself as a God who incarnates. He comes into human existence. All the way from the beginning. It's not just a New Testament truth. We see it all through scripture that God constantly uh, comes into the human realm. And it's a radical departure from every other faith. I was talking to a woman in, uh, in uh, uh, Amer- uh, where was it, it was, it was in Marrakesh, Morocco, and <clears throat> it was really great because we had a team of people praying, and there was like hundreds and hundreds of, 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 of Muslims, they came and gathered around Moroccans because they were, our team was speak, singing songs in English, and they just thought it was amazing. And I was on the outside praying, but it's a foreign country. You know, everybody speaks other languages, so I was speaking in tongues, uh, out loud. Because <clears throat> there's like, we had 12 people, and there was like 400 people pressing in. The people on the inside were afraid they were going to get crushed. But it was cool. And I'm, so I'm interceding, in this woman walks by me and she looked at me and she looked back and then she stopped and then she walked right up to me and she says, excuse me, sir, what language are you speaking? I said, well, why do you ask? She said, well, I speak almost a dozen languages. Uh, uh, But I can't figure out what language you're speaking. I said, well, it's a spiritual language. She goes, oh, well, that's the best kind. (laughs) I thought... This is interesting. <laughs> in the Muslim world, uh, you know, I'm gonna, she's asking me what's going on when I'm speaking in tongues. It like, just sounds like the Book of Acts, and so I start explaining to her that I'm a Christian. It's the Holy Spirit. We're here praying for uh, for Morocco and. And she goes, oh, that's great. We believe in Jesus. We believe he's a great prophet. And I said, well, I believe that Jesus actually took on, that Jesus is God. And they put on humanity like a, a person puts on a, a, a garment. And she looked at me and her eyes turned. And she got mad. And she said I was blaspheming. Because they don't, they, Muslims believe that it's blasphemy to think that God touched mankind, let alone became one. They see that as blasphemy, as though we're we're making God dirty. But to me, it's not minimizing God, it's actually her view of God was too small. Because the God that I worship took on humanity in order to save humanity. God invaded humanity. He broke into our space and He did it to the extreme by becoming as a, as a human. <clears throat> Why is this important? So, as though He was God, it explains this in the uh, book of Philippians, though Jesus was God, He... Up in heaven, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He didn't have to hang on to it. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he just continued to live his character. What character? The character of God. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Again, this reveals God's nature. It reveals God's character. It shows, it teaches us. You now, the whole point of Christianity is getting to know God. And this shows us God's character. God's way to victory is different than man's way. If we want to take over something, we, we invade with our, our, all of our power and overwhelm the enemy. But God does it completely different. He comes as an innocent child, vulnerable into the midst of humanity. It changes how God, uh, and it declares that Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. And all throughout the history of the church, people have struggled with this idea. And you should too. <laughs> all right? Cuz it doesn't make sense. But if you worship a god that you understand completely, your god is too small. All right. We can't an- if we understand everything, that means we've we're missing most of it. We don't understand the world around us. They still haven't quite figured out what this gravity stuff is. All right? Best minds of all time. And we think we can define God? Oh, we don't have to understand this. We have to believe it. I don't understand this, but I believe Jesus was fully man because in taking on humanity, God was, it was the only way that man's punishment could be complete. Uh, but only God could do it because he had to come and take that punishment for himself because we couldn't bear it on our own. How should this change us? In the body of Jesus, God and mankind were reunited literally. In the body of Jesus, divinity, humanity came together and was one. So, that means that we can be fully united with God in Christ. Because we're human, through Christ, we can be reunited Uh, with the Father, with God. Uh, Our bodies, the whole of creation, finds freedom from the curse, every curse, in Christ. So whatever uh, manifestation of, of the result of sin in your life, in your family's life, in the world's life, every part of it, Disease, sickness, discouragement, depression, uh, uh, the destruction of our planet, all of that stuff in Christ is going to be redeemed. That's why he came. He came to bring heaven back in the connection with earth. And it's through his body, he's the conduit, through which we have access to all things heavenly. But he doesn't want to take us and suck us up into heaven. Actually, he's bringing heaven back to earth. And in the end, it will be evident and manifest that heaven and earth will will be merged together. Uh, under his authority forever. And, and there'll be an open heaven, open earth. But we can enter into that through faith in Christ right now. Oops. It says, For God wanted them... This is Paul explaining this. It says, God wanted them, the people of old, to know the riches and the glory of Christ that are for you Gentiles. This means it applies not only to Jews, descendants of Abrahams, but people of all ethnicity. And this, this is the secret. I love it. Paul says, And this is the secret. You want to know what the secret is? Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. What glory? The glory of the Father. Heaven's glory. Alright? So we are in Christ. Christ is in us. Heaven and earth reunited. And so now we stand in direct uh, connection. What, what Adam and Eve lost when they were thrust from the garden. Alright? Alright? We now have regained through Jesus Christ. That's, should that shape you? It should change your life, right? It should radically alter every aspect. The big challenge of Christianity is learning how to integrate that into day-to-day life. What does that mean when 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 you have to do the dishes and when you have to get up and go to work? Or you have to deal with your kids when they're disobeying? It's to apply every, every minute of the day. Boom, 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 boom. Ah, Jesus. There we go. Okay, so for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. All right, so the response is, <clears throat> let's just close uh, and turn our attention to the Lord. You know, this is a time, I've explained it, we've heard it, this is the significance of it, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't embrace it. If you don't accept it into your life. Uh, that God is for you. And He did all, all of what He's done throughout history, He did it for us. For, for our salvation. That Jesus really is, is almighty. uh and the Holy Spirit is essential and active. And Jesus somehow is also completely human. And in his body, he, he returned unity between uh, humanity and divinity. He brought them, the two that were separate back together. And in fact, all separation from God is healed in Christ. If there's anything in your life... That is a manifestation of, of being separated. If there's any part of your life that's not joined and united with Christ, right now, through Jesus, that can be reunited. Just Can we close with a word of prayer? Father, I ask that you'd reveal this, this, this monumental truth of the Incarnation, what that really means uh, to each and every one of us. That it means that our flesh is now sacred because You dwell in us. That You redeemed it. And that there's no part of our life that's not supposed to be equally filled with You in Your presence. But I pray that if there's anything in, in our lives, that any, any remnant of shame or sin or deception, Jesus, that You'd invade. You, you'd invade that space. And Father, I pray that heaven would come and reveal itself fully and that we would then represent that to those around us in Jesus' name. Amen.